Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Welcome back to another episode of the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. Got a good episode for you today. Brad Stevens, the head coach of the Boston Celtics, joins me. I asked Brad about the Kevin Durant meeting, how Boston came to settle on Jalen Brown on draft night, and what the Al Horford signing did for his expectations for this coming season. A reminder, if you like this podcast, give us a rating, leave us a comment. You know I appreciate it. All right, let's go. Yahoo Sports presents the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. Powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your host, Chris Mannix. Welcome back to another episode of the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. And I'd like to welcome in a guy who is now tied with Scott Brooks for the most appearances here on the Vertical Podcast, Celtics coach Brad Stevens. How are you, Brad? I'm good, Chris. How are you doing? I can't complain. Um, So let's begin with the one question that everyone wants to know. Do you now have Tom Brady's phone number? (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I've exchanged some messages with him, but he's, you know, it was great that he decided to join us and, and make that trip. And, you know, one of the things that you learn about this area pretty quickly is that all the teams and the athletes and the coaches and everybody else are really willing to help one another. And so, you know, obviously for him to take the time to do that was a great gesture on his part. I think that speaks to the surrealness of the recruiting process. You guys took it next level. 
You guys brought in the biggest star in the NFL to recruit the biggest star at the time in the NBA. That that set a new bar, I think, for recruiting. Well, that you know, and that Danny was the one that you know organized that, and, and you're obviously it all happens really quickly. And uh, so, um, but it was fortunate that he was able to to go, and I thought it was you know he was really good um, to have around there, not only to be a part of that meeting, but also to spend time with our players that were that were there, you know, those guys got a chance to, to fly together, to spend the day together, to go to dinner, to go, go to lunch together and, and pick his brain. And so that's, you know, it's always great stuff when you get a chance to be in the presence of somebody who's achieved what he's achieved and continues to strive to do that up into his late thirties. Now, what do you think your guys took away from conversations with him? Some of them have commented about it, Isaiah, Jay, but you know, from, from being there and, and listening, what do you think resonated the most of what uh, Tom would talk about? You know, I think the biggest thing is that is just how disciplined he is with regard to how he takes care of his body and how he goes about his daily business. You know, he's a high achiever. Anybody that's won as much as he's won and been featured like that with the four Super Bowls and then with his role in those four Super Bowls is going to, you know, demand your attention. But to see what he looks like at, right at age 38 and to know that, how much time he puts into preparation, how much he does to make sure that he is ready and prepared for the next year is great. And here, you know, they're getting started here pretty soon. And I've been fortunate because I lived in Indianapolis for the whole Peyton Manning era and now get a chance to be in New England and see Brady and, and spend time and be around him. And there's a reason those two guys were as good as they are. You know, you're no stranger to college recruiting, but did that whole process feel college-like or was it just next level sort of college-like? Yeah, I mean, you can't, I, I don't think in college you, you can do that. You can, you can take just anybody into the room. I think usually you, you have a couple of coaches that are allowed to recruit per NCAA rules and that's mm-hmm. it. So it was unique. It was unique. But, you know, I thought that we were organized in our approach. I thought that we had a plan and a purpose behind what we were trying to do. And you know, it was, uh, I think when you look at the weekend as a whole, you, you go and you meet with Al and, and you're fortunate enough to, to get a guy that is a four-time all-star, that is still young, that is a guy that has done nothing but win from college and then is nine years in the pros. They've been to the playoffs every year. I just think having a guy that is in that position with our team is really important because I think our guys will really look up to him in a lot of ways, and he, and he deserves that. And so we're excited to have him, let alone the fact that we, the way that we play and how we like to play, especially through our bigs, you know, in different times, through different actions, we think he's a really good fit for. Were you disappointed when Kevin announced he was going, or did you already feel at that time that you guys were, were kind of out of it? No, I had no idea. I had no idea. Um, but were you, you know, optimistic? I, that- I, I, th- I thought, I, you know, my personal thought is, is it was going to be really hard to leave. Um, so, But I didn't have any idea of if he did leave that he wouldn't or would choose Boston, um, would or would not choose Golden State, whatever the case may be. I mean, you can speculate and read articles like everybody else and, and then realize, hey, you know, nobody's really got this answer except for him. And ultimately that's his decision to make. And, you know, the one thing that I'll say about that process and the one thing that I'll say about getting a chance to sit down with Al, him, just really, really thoughtful, insightful people. And we're thrilled to have Al and we, you know, we wish Kevin well. 
Jay Crowder kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit on what was going on in that meeting, how you guys approached it. But from your perspective, what were some of the things that you tried to get across to Kevin about what did he want to know about style of play? I mean, what were some of the things that were points of emphasis for you? Well, we'll go into each, you know, um, when we met with Al and, and, and tried to in a different way because there are different positions and different players show why he's such a good fit for us. And, you know, obviously you did the same with Kevin. And then, you know, you try to show why you're close, why your group and this organization has a great shot and is making progress and moving forward. And, you know, again, it was a, I thought it was a really productive time. Not productive enough in Kevin's case, but certainly with Al it was. And, and, and we're looking forward to, you know, keep making progress. Yeah, and you, the guy you did get, obviously Al Horford, tremendous player. The tough decision for him to leave Atlanta as well, a place he's very tight with in that community. What was it that, how do you think you sold him? What was the pitch to him that you think resonated there? You know, I don't know. I don't think it was anything specific. We we just we we talked about again who we are, who we want to be, um, some of the things that we value as far as competitive character and, and people around you. Obviously, we had a few of our players with us um, in the room, and and they could speak differently about it. You know, with Isaiah coming in and just eighteen months ago, Jay twenty months ago, Kelly being there the whole time, they could speak to to the process and the progress that we've made and and where we want to keep going. Um, obviously, we played against Al in the playoffs, so he had a real familiarity with how we play on both ends of the court. But then, you know, we talked about not only the fit from a playing standpoint, but the opportunity from a leadership standpoint that we saw for him in Boston. And, and hey, he had a great situation with great coaches and a great organization in Atlanta. That's that's what you realize when you're out there and, and trying to sell yourself or sell your organization. There's 30 good options. And the bottom line is, is everybody has something to sell. And so I just think you go in there and you, you get a chance to acquaint yourself with them and, and you kind of tell them your vision. You tell them how you, how you want to get there and – you hope that they buy into that. He's a big-time player, no question. But when, when you saw his game and how you coach and, and the way this team uh, likes to play, were there specific areas where you said, okay, I can fit this guy right there. He's a good fit for how I want to play. Well, I think the biggest thing is, and it's funny because I've heard a lot of people over time say, well, does player X fit into so-and-so's system? Well, if player X is an all-star, he better fit into your system, right? You better figure it out. That's your job, not his. Like mm-hmm. That's coaching is figuring out who you have and trying to play to their strengths. The thing that Al can do beyond just the, you know, the numbers that you see or shooting percentages, whatever the case may be, he can play with every big on our roster. Like He compliments everybody, whether you go bigger, whether you go smaller, whatever the case may be. And he can either be a paint presence in the post and play through in the post or play in the seams or pick and pop. He's great on the roll. He's great on the pop. Um, He shot 35% from three last year, you know, and he's expanded his game. I mean, when we played Al Horford in college, my last game as an assistant, we played him in the Sweet 16 and – and we were just worried he was just going to take us from the three-point line to the paint, and and we weren't going to be able to do anything about it. Now he's expanded himself so much more when you look at it over a 10-year time frame. It's a testament to his work. It's a testament to his flexibility as a player. 
and you know we're looking forward to having him on our roster so that we can you know take advantage of all the good things that he does was that a priority for you anyway in the offseason somebody that could that you could kind of play through in the post i mean you had some versatile bigs over the last couple of years but you didn't quite have that guy that you could consistently throw the ball to in mid-range and he can create his own shot if need be. I mean, was that a priority or? You know, we'll pl- but but I think that we've had some guys certainly and, and then some matchups. And I think that we've had guys that even if they had a tough matchup to score on, they could really pass out of the post. So I think that generally, you know, the post is not just used to isolate and score. Um, and we saw that with Golden State in the playoffs, you know, especially – in the Oklahoma City series, they use it as their passing point a lot um, with all that switching. And I think that that's something that Al does well. You know, he, he can not only score the ball, but he, he is able to pass. You know, his turnover percentage is ridiculously low. And so all that stuff, we feel like, adds value to our team. Did it mean something to you? I know you've been a coach here for a, f- a few years now, but Boston historically rarely gets signed the big time free agent. They've traded for them. Those guys have stayed, which is you know kind of a, a similarity. But this is you know one of the first big name free agents to choose to come to Boston in this offseason. Did that mean anything to you to be able to to get a guy of that caliber to agree to come to the Celtics? You know, I think the meaningful part for me because I'm not as aware of the, the the 50 years of free agency. Right? How how often have we actually had mm-hmm. you know this space to pursue somebody? Et cetera, et cetera. I don't know the stats on all that. But the meaningful thing to me is that, you know, coming in three years ago um, after the, the big trade and, and having, you know, a lot of change those first 18 months is, is the kind of the stability and continuity that has provided um, a real sense of progress that you feel like is being recognized around the league. And, and you're hopeful that that's the case. But when, you know, a guy like Al decides to come, you feel like, you're moving in in that direction that you're talking about moving in, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was the validating part of it. But the most important part for me was, you know, that we got a really good guy who can really play that is, again, just now 30 years old that we think can be a good player and leader for us. You hate losing. You've said it many times. Does that Atlanta series stick with you any more than others because of the the quality of the season that you guys had, losing it with, you know, an injury to Avery, Jay a little bit banged up at the end. Does it sting you a little worse because of the outside variables that contributed to it? Well, and it was such a unique set of circumstances with, you know, you had four teams that were all the same record and, yeah. and you just got thrown into a pile and you end that's up... It's a terrible rule, the, you, the 48. You, that's you, terrible. I'll say it for you. That's a terrible rule. You, 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 end, up, you end up not, even literally walking in the locker room not knowing who you're playing... You play a really good Atlanta team who had been playing really well. Their defense was at an elite level um, for the last two and a half months of the season. Exceptionally well coached, lots of good playoff experience, and a good team. And I thought we had played them really well, obviously, in game one. We took that three-point lead with about seven to go, and Avery came up and pulled his hamstring. And and that was a big, important thing. But we still had our moments and had our chances. And and, uh, certainly you want to play those teams when you're at your healthiest and when you're at your best. And hey, you know, that wasn't the case. You still have to find a way. And we continue to learn a lot about ourselves. And, and I think that we, we learned some things that we could do. We learned some things about a couple of our guys like Jonas that didn't play a lot in that role throughout the early part of the season. And so, you know, you're again looking to continue to make progress and continue to make steps and, and you know, learning is a part of that. 
you know, there's no doubt that it was disappointing to, to bow in the first round. But you know, I thought we did a lot of good things, too. You had a lot of the same guys that were part of the four-game loss to Cleveland the year before. And then same group kind of comes back, the, the loss to Atlanta. When you saw how they reacted to both losses, was there anything different about the way your guys handled or were maybe more upset about one loss than the other? The thing I really like about our guys is they just hate losing. And, you know, they're going to be upset regardless. So I didn't see much difference. You know, okay. I think that they were, yeah, they were, yeah, yeah, we had a better shot because we tied the series up at 2-2. Two to two. We started off game five really well, if you remember. We were we were defending. We were making it really tough to score. We had an eight- or nine-point lead, and then we got hit by a buzzsaw. And so the that was frustrating. That was disappointing. But, you know, they were disappointed the year before, as was I. And I think that, you know, you, you always believe when you go into a given game that you've got a great chance of winning. Obviously, Cleveland has kind of been that barometer for all of us. And, um, you know, in the NBA this year and, and in the East for sure. So, again, we've learned a lot through that process. And, you know, hopefully we can play better um, if we're fortunate enough to be back in that situation. Hey, the the East is good. And the East – I always talk about this – when I'm talking to, you know, our young players or the summer leaguers, like there's everybody in the league is eager right now. Everybody in the league has a high level of anticipation. Everything's positive, you know, and then it's how you play. And so we don't know where we're going to be at the end of the year. You have to earn that. And so that's the, the bottom line is you start this whole new journey and you hope to take what you learned from those past experiences and, and um, see if you can't apply them to have, Good things happen. It just seemed like last year's team had a real swagger to it at some, some levels. I mean, they, right or wrong, they believed that if they played Cleveland, they had a real shot. I mean, that, that's it just seemed like the confidence of last year's team was so much higher than, than the year before. Well, I think that that swagger kind of started when Jay and Isaiah were added to that group because it was a bunch of young guys. There was a, there was a lot of good players and a lot of good guys that were enjoyed going out there and competing together. Um, a lot of people that, that brought different strengths to the table that blended well. And so I think that the one thing that, that I believe is that these guys go into every game believing they've got a chance to win it, and they've got a great chance if we play hard and play together to have success. And you get a lot of joy in coaching when you have a group like that. You're listening to The Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. And now a word from Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century. Fast, powerful, and completely online, Rocket Mortgage has taken all the complicated, time-consuming parts out of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Hate searching through stacks of old files and paperwork? With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Even better, with Rocket Mortgage, you can do all this on your phone or tablet. It's a quick online process that you can manage from the convenience of your couch. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash Mannix. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. So in June, the draft basically began with you guys. Everyone knew what the first two picks were going to be, whether it goes Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, and then it fell to you. You talked about it. Danny brought it, brought it up, said that you gave you a list of eight guys, nine guys to look at, evaluate. What was it about Jalen Brown for you 
that separated him from the pack? So I think the biggest thing, and, and Danny was talking about this from day one, is when you look around the league right now, is obviously his size, his athleticism, his strength, his desire to get better, you know, all of those things add up to there's a lot of transferable skills to the NBA, right? There's there's the ability to guard multiple positions. He showed in summer league a great ability to put the ball on the floor and get to the foul line. And there's a lot of room for growth. You know, there's a lot of things that he can do to get a lot better. And so that's something that, you know, we'll start focusing on um, when we get a chance to start working with him. So it's it's exciting to have him in the fold. And, and we think that, you know, ultimately – He's going to be a really good player. Was it a a hotly debated pick there? I mean, how if you take me through the last few days of assessing that pick, was there a lot of back and forth in the room, or or when exactly did Jalen Brown separate himself, become the guy? No, there was. I mean, and there is, there has been every year because you know we haven't been in a situation where we've had you know number one. You know, I think, and, and if you don't have number one. And, and maybe some people felt this way about number two as well this year, right? Then there is always going to be a lot of debate because a you're picking amongst a group of very very talented people, and in a lot of years and a lot of picks, you don't know who's going to be picked right before you. I mean, it's happened as we've gotten later in the last couple drafts, as we think that that a guy might slide to us and he gets picked a couple before us. And so, I will say that uh, that you know there was a lot of debate, there was a lot of talk, you know, with our current depth in our backcourt I think there's certainly when you looked at our team and when you looked at what we thought Jalen could bring to the table with our team and with the idea of being a versatile guy that was what won out are you surprised at I don't want to call it a negative reaction but maybe it's because a guy like Chris Dunn played just down the street at Providence the that a lot of people out there said, oh, why don't you take Chris Dunn, the local kid? Uh, would you surprise some of the backlash, public backlash that was out there after the Jalen pick? You know, I didn't really pay a ton of attention to it because um, we were in the room and getting ready for seven more picks. Mm-hmm. And um, but I think Wick hey, said something along the lines of it was the first time I've been booed. Is at, that right? Uh, yeah. At the, uh, yeah. And I mean, and, and I think it, it's probably a, it's not only the analysis of the, the draft board, right, but it's also this, this buildup of is a trade going to happen and you know the known quantities of the the different people that are being discussed across the league by your fans and everything Mm -hmm. else and and one of the things i've learned about that build-up is it is just that i'm not sure that any of it has you know i i think it certainly gets blown out of proportion let's put it that way so bottom line is is that you know we knew that we were going to leave that night leave that evening with multiple good players, but a but a, a chance with a really good player at number three. Do you see Jalen Brown as an NBA three point shooter? I mean, do you see that part of his game coming along? Because I mean, so I think he'll be absolutely fine with continued work. And the bottom line is, is I do believe in him, his work. I believe in his touch. I believe in the desire to improve. I believe that, you know, that he'll be a deliberate worker. You know, he'll be a guy that gets in the gym and works on the right things. And so, yeah, I do. I believe that. There was a lot written about his intelligence before the draft. I'm not sure how people were gauging it um, or not. But did you notice anything about him in in that respect about just his basketball sense, some kind of level of intelligence that is a little bit higher maybe? 
Well, I think the biggest thing is like you only get a chance to work out three on three with the draft prospects. And then so he did a three on three workout and then he did a one on oh workout. I thought in both workouts, it was very fluid. It was very quick. And but you don't get a chance to to truly assess that other than what you see on film from the prior year or years prior to that, whether that is, you know, in a in a high school all star game that is on synergy or whatever the case may be. And so the biggest thing that I that I really try to gauge in that is is how open to being coached, how open to feedback. And he's a guy that really he wants to be coached and he wants to learn, he wants to grow and it's important to him. You gotta love the one on none workouts. I call that the Yi Jian Lan workouts. That's what he did his entire draft. One on the chair. That's these guys all they do sometimes it, nowadays. It was interesting though because Jalen did do a three on three workout with us. Which is kind of rare for a guy. And that, I think that very few of the guys right did that that were in the top however many draft picks and and he was very good in that but then in the one-on-one workout i thought it is good to know how a guy works in that circumstance too because you're really out there on an island like sometimes you know people would think well i understand why they wouldn't want to have guys compete against other guys but at the same time the one-on-ones are tough and they are demanding from a physiological standpoint, let alone, you know, moving on from drill to drill on a tempo standpoint and then staying up with, you know, a different lingo that coaches are using, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that it is more difficult than people think. And um, so, but he was good in both, and that was a positive sign. You guys are, are a few steps away from being worried about who's coming out of the Western Conference at this point. But as a coach, as a competitor, did it bother you at all this summer when – the thing the NBA has been so trying to avoid the formation of another super team was was put together with a bunch of 20-something you know, superstars out in Golden State. And I think the biggest thing is that the way that it's set up is that you have you know, players win their unrestricted free agents have a choice, and that's the way this works. And so that's their right to choose where they ultimately want to play, and, and however those teams shake themselves out, that's who's on your schedule. And so I haven't thought twice about, like, is it good for the league, bad for the league? It doesn't really matter. I'm just trying to figure out how to help us become the best that we can be. So did you sign a new six-year extension? Was that the uh, the new deal, another six years on board for? Well, we're not going into the terms of it. Fair enough. But, but <laughs> Length. Uh, I'll be here a while. <laughs> Maybe, well, unless they just decide that they don't want me here. So then, And then I'll have to figure out what's next. Well, you rarely, you rarely see coaches with as many years as you had left on your contract sort of tear it up sometimes the last year of the contract they do it but this was I, I hadn't seen I can't even remember one that was done like this before was this something that was important to you was it the organization that came to you on this yeah they approached me on it so it was you know this is one of those things we've really enjoyed living here I've enjoyed coaching here and I like the group that we have I like our direction and I and I like the fact that you know, we've been empowered every day by our ownership and leadership to just do our part of our job well. You know, we all have a small role to play to help this thing move forward. And my role is to coach the guys that are on the team and ultimately to coach the team and and to try to figure out from a strategic and tactical standpoint how we best all fit together. And so it's been a blast, but it's also been really empowering. And, and like I said, I've said this many times, we, we've really – you know, it was really hard to leave home and especially being someplace for 33 years. 
but this has been a great transition for us and we've really enjoyed it. And, you know, we're fortunate to get a chance to continue to do it. Before I let you go, when you have uh, 48 wins the year before you add a player like Al Horford, that obviously changes the landscape and the expectations around the team anyway, uh, get ratcheted up even more. Do you have expectations with this group going into next year? Yeah. So I get asked that all the time. And, and it was funny because, you know, I've coached in a national championship game and had to come back and coach a team on August 28th in a first meeting the next year, like every year is its own entity every year, you know, you're, you're ultimately probably going to be decided by how you approach that year and then how you do in close games. Right. And I think that that's ultimately, um, what happens a lot. And so my answer to expectations, my answer is to where we fall and everything else is, you know, the magic's in the work and time will tell, you know, we're going to find out, you know, this is, I like our guys. I think we're, we've got a good basketball team. I think we've got guys that know each other and, and, and can, you know, accentuate each other's strengths, but you're good if you play good. That's the bottom line, and so we'll find out. Can you ever put basketball away? Like, you got the offseason, you got the summer now. Can you ever just separate yourself completely from even thinking about, oh, I'm sitting on a boat somewhere, I want to, what do I do with Al Horford in this situation? So I think the biggest thing for me is that the time of the year, it's funny when I actually probably get my best thinking done is coming up because you're, you've taken a step back for a second. You're, you're refreshing, you're recharging, and you're getting ready for a new year. And so I don't do it for 24 hours a day over the next few weeks, but get a lot of good thinking done because, you know, your team is starting to have its form and you know exactly kind of who's going to be around and everything else. And then, and then you, you know, can go in and and plan once the schedule comes out, kind of the progression of the season, you know, when the schedule comes out for me, that's, you know, it's an exciting to kind of see where you're going to be, how you're going to manage to travel, um, how you're going to do your practices and setting all that stuff up. And so, this is a fun time of the year. No, this is a fun time of the year because it, it really is a chance to take a step back and enjoy time with your family, but also you start thinking about and really plotting and planning because you never stop thinking about it, how you're going to play on both ends of the floor. Brad, no, it's the off season. I appreciate you uh, joining me here. Appreciate you having me. That's it. My thanks to Celtics coach Brad Stevens. As always, you can download this podcast and other archive podcasts on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, really anywhere you can download podcasts. While you're there, check out the Vertical Podcast with J.J. Redick and the Vertical Podcast with Woj. We'll see you next week. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.